Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, and welcome back to the Balance Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. I think we're officially at episode 12, which I find very exciting because that's a dozen. It kind of corresponds to my lucky number 201, which we will talk about a lot in this episode. If you guys haven't heard me discuss my lucky number previously, it's this huge energetic force in my life, 201, and... Today's guest, Sarah Pasek, my literary agent, totally knows about my number obsession. And we have bonded over the fact that 201 has always kind of been a big part of even how when we started working together, she was working at a smaller agency called Stone Song. And when I was signing my contract to work with her at Stone Song, I noticed that Stone Song was a 201 suite in their building in New York City, which was just like so many of my magical stars aligning and everything else aligned with Sarah as well, because she's been the dream agent. She's like the agent that any single writer or blogger or influencer dreams to have because she's so 100% on my team. She's in my corner. She is so good at what she does. She's always on top of it. We discussed this in our conversation, but she reads my newsletter. She listens to my podcast. She reads my blog every day. She follows my Snapchat. She's a genuine friend on top of being an agent. And I think that's so important because as a blogger and as a writer, I've worked with a lot of people, a lot of different types of representation, and it makes a huge difference when someone shows a genuine interest in what you're doing because they care about you and because they care about your brand, but not just because of money and numbers and all of that kind of stuff, but because they have a genuine investment in you doing well and all of us doing well together. So As time has gone on, I have become just so, so, so grateful for that type of help and having people like Sarah on my team because I can just trust her with anything and there's no, nothing else about it. I mean, she has tons of clients, although I was one of her first, one of her first two, along with Jessica Mernan from One Part Plant. You guys should listen to her podcast too. She's amazing. But even though Sarah has a ton of clients, she always makes me feel special. There's like nothing clicky or one above the other about her clients. She's professional. And I could go on and on about how 
awesome she is. She's also young. So we kind of, she understands social media. Not that people who aren't young don't understand social media, but she's kind of in the same boat that I am having um, grown up with social media becoming more and more and more of a huge resource for people. So she sees the benefit. She's always believed in my writing and I love her. I like genuinely am obsessed with her and I love her. I knew I had to have her on the podcast for her to share her wisdom with all of you guys and basically talk about writing books, the process of getting a book published. People ask me that all the time. They ask, do I need to have an agent? Should I do this on my own? Did you publish with a publishing company? Did you self-publish? And Sarah and I break down that process for you guys. We talk all about it and I can't wait for you to hear everything she had to say. So go ahead, listen to the episode. If you like it, please leave us a rating and a review. Let us know what your thoughts were. Um, Yeah, all of that good stuff. You can add me on Facebook, Jordan Younger, if you want to join the Soul on Fire podcast group where I post about the new episodes every week and you guys can share feedback there too. So if you do add me on Facebook, just shoot me a message once I accept you telling me that you want to be in the group so that I know that that's where you're coming from is the podcast land. And thanks for being here, guys. Really appreciate you. Let's dive in with Sarah. So today, guys, we have Sarah Pasek, a very, very, very VIP guest in my life. She is my literary agent. So basically, Breaking Vegan and any future book that I do, which will hopefully be a lot of books, would never happen without Sarah. We're going to tell you guys the whole story of how we found each other, but I wanted to have Sarah on because people ask me pretty much every single day, what's the process of publishing a book? And I always say the first thing you need is a literary agent. And then people say, how do I get a literary agent? Or some people say, what is a literary agent? So (laughs) of course, always talk Sarah up like crazy because she's the best. Although I don't want everybody in the world swooping her up because she (laughs) she needs to have time for her current clients, but she's incredible. Um, I'm so happy to have her here. And I guess we'll just jump right in and have Sarah just kind of like, Say hello, tell our listeners what you do, and then we'll jump into it. So hi, um, this is exciting. Um, Thanks, Jordan, for having me on. So yes, I'm a literary agent. Um, I work at Sterling Lord Literistic in New York City. So should I I say, I guess I'll say what a literary agent is. Basically, my job, uh, my clients are authors, and I represent them and their ideas, and I sell those ideas to publishing houses. And I work in the nonfiction space. So anything in very commercial, diet, health, wellness, memoir, celebrity, sports, sort of Instagram, YouTube, you name it, I do it. Basically, my team and I, I work with Celeste Fine and John Moss, um, and we just hired Megan Fulner, and we're hiring actually another person. Yeah, it's really exciting. That is Um, exciting. So yeah, so we work on uh, as a team at Sterling Lord, and yeah, that's kind of that's what we what what I do. <laughs> that's so exciting. Well, just so everybody listening knows and has kind of a sense of literary agencies, Sterling Lord is the top 
literary agency in New York. They publish or they work on every different kind of book from wellness books to lifestyle books to the Berenstein Bears to like basically everything. Pretty much almost all of my favorite books that are health related go back to Sterling Lord. And Sarah has given me those books. And that's how I've discovered (laughs) so many cool people like Dave Asprey, Sarah Gottfried, JJ Virgin. So it's pretty incredible to me to be amongst those other authors. Um, And it's incredible what Sarah and her team does for all of those authors. So I think probably a really good place to start would be, how did we find each other, Sarah? How did we start working together? Tell the people listening how (laughs) you discovered The Blonde Vegan. So, uh, so it was interesting. So I was, um, I was at the first agency that I worked at and, um, I remember that it was when you had come out on uh, as not a vegan anymore Mm -hmm. and it got picked up by a lot of different, uh, outlets, people I remember, um, specifically, but there was a lot of outlets and I, I thought, who is this girl and what, and what, what does that even mean? What is orthorexia? The question of the century. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, what is this? And I was so, I mean, I was just so interested and I just thought, I, I just want to know kind of what, what happened with this girl and, you know, is there something here that would be helpful, you know, for other people? So I remember I sent you an email, like a cold email, like, hi, I'm Sarah. And you wrote back. And then I remember we got on the phone and I think it was like a really, if I remember correctly, like a very long phone conversation. And we, we sort of talked about everything, sort of not only, you know, your journey with orthorexia, but just kind of everything and how you got here. And, and I thought, okay, uh, I think we can do this. And so that's, I guess that's sort of how it started. That is how it started. Yeah. Well, I love hearing it from your perspective because I completely remember getting the email from you. I had just moved back to California. I wasn't even living in LA yet. I spent like two or three weeks in Sacramento once I moved out of New York. So I was in Sacramento at my parents' house and my life had pretty much just exploded because I had stopped being vegan, posted about it on my blog. And of course it was all over the media. I was on, um, I can't even remember all the, you know, all the different shows like Good Morning America, The Today Show, yeah, NBC. And that brought in like so many inquiries. Like all of a sudden I went from getting like 20 emails a day to getting like 2000 emails a day. And I was just, I mean, it was so exciting. Like every single day, like I woke up just with this excitement, but also tons of anxiety because a lot of these people were really angry with me. So it was, it was always um, interesting opening up my email and seeing what was coming in and what kind of things people were saying to me at this point. It was like just a few weeks after I came out um, of not being vegan. So got this email from Sarah. And yeah, I think it just said like, I'm a literary agent in New York, would love to talk to you about maybe making your story into a book. And I kind of remember it saying like, I don't know if you're interested in writing a book or I don't know if you're interested in writing like long form at all off of your blog. And I just remember thinking, yes, I do. Like, this, this person doesn't even know that I just went to grad school to get half of a master's in creative writing. Like all I want to do is write a book. So called Sarah, 
definitely like with, you know, the thought in my mind, like this might not work out. We might not click like that happens all the time in this world. So I didn't really have my hopes too high, but we got on the phone and I, if I remember correctly, we talked for like hours, like definitely. Yeah, I, think it was, I think it was because you were on California. T- like I remember being at my office like late, like, like it was at, you know, like we, I think we probably got on the phone at like five and then it was probably like seven. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe uh, we're, we were yeah. talking to this, this, this girl for so long. I know. Um, that's how I felt too. I was like, oh my gosh, she understands me. She understands my story. I feel safe with her as an agent because she completely understands where I'm coming from. And like, I could just tell that we were on the same page. You totally respected my story. And like, you knew so much about my blog and about me, which is, of course, smart. I think every agent should once you get on the phone with somebody. But that was comforting to me. You're like, oh, yeah, no, I know about like Katie, your your previous roommate, like you wrote about her on your blog. And I was like, oh, okay, I feel safe with this person. She actually is interested in representing no, all my clients know I always do a deep dive. I always say you can't hide from me. <laughs> yes. And it's so good. Like I can't tell you because I do work with so many people in so many different capacities. And there just are a couple people that I can trust are like actually like interested in what I'm doing and keeping up with it. And you are one of those people. And it just means so much because you have so many clients. You're such a busy person, which we will get into because your schedule is like totally on another level, um, which is cool. But it's so nice to know like you actually listen to my podcast and you actually read my newsletter. And it's so nice because like, I'm pretty sure that's what every author slash blogger wants from an agent or from anybody who's representing them. Like it's kind of unprofessional in my opinion, not to do that, but a lot of people don't. So that's kind of, my appreciation for all of that that you do. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. And I would just, and what I would say about that is, um, I think that when, when you work in the space that I do, and a lot of times, you know, I work with authors who, you know, they work for two years on their book, um, before it comes out into the world. And, I think you have to respect that, but also that's what I look for, you know, in clients. Um, my team and I, you know, we spend two years with you on the process, you know, after the deal is done and um, we'll go into this, but we don't just, uh, you know, say, okay, bye, you know, good luck. And so when you look in any relationship, but especially with clients in such a personal, you know, writing a book is a really personal thing. And so you really want to work with people who are going to invest, you know, the, at the same level that you are. And I think that's the biggest thing. And, and that's, you know, something that I, I think I promise all of my clients is, you know, I'm going to invest, you know, as much as you are, if not more, you know, as the, and in the best way that I can. And I think it makes for, you know, more successful books. It does. No, I completely, completely agree. And that's, it's such an awesome thing to hear because I feel like in this world, there are so many people who are authors or like trying to be authors, or there are so many people who are looking for representation, either for writing a book or for like going on the news or people are looking for representation for everything. So I think it's since it's, there's so many people in this space, it can be kind of hard sometimes to, to find the right fit as an agent or like if you're an agent, when you're looking for a client, because 
it can be hard to tell like who's genuine, who's, who's really going to put it in the time that they say that they're going to. So it's so nice to be with somebody who like truly has lived up to that. Like, plus like I, my book came out last year and everything else is kind of just in the works, but like our, our communication has never died down, which is so cool to know. Like you don't have to just be in the process of working on the book or be in the, be in the stage of the book selling or coming out to have a relationship with your agent if you're with the right agent for you. So it's, <laughs> it's very nice. I think it's really cool. So what was your journey to becoming a literary agent? Was it something that you knew that you wanted to do for a long time or was it, did it just happen in like more of a happenstance way? I feel like from talking about it in the past, it wasn't something that you had planned to do, but it kind of just worked out. Yeah. So I went to Tulane uh, in New Orleans and I was an English major and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew that I wanted to do something that didn't involve math and science, even though now I work on, you know, health books and, and their science, but still creative side. Yes. Yeah, still creative. So I applied to the NYU publishing program in New York. Uh, it's a six-week program and I was accepted. And so right after I graduated from Tulane, about a week after I got home, I started this six-week, very, very intensive program uh, that did three weeks in book publishing and three weeks in magazine publishing. And it was a, I guess it was a group of about 60 of us and top editors and editors and chiefs of magazines and editors at publishing houses come in and it's a really, really great program. I would highly recommend it. And so after that, there's a big net, it's a big networking program as well, because people come in, you give them your resume. Um, it's really, it's, it's, it kind of gives you, you know, FaceTime with some people in the industry. And so through that found out about, uh, the first agency I worked at Stonesong, I got an interview there. And at that point I wasn't I really was interested by the prospect of liter- being a literary agent, but I still wasn't sure whether or not I would go into editorial or or work at an agency. And I got hired at this agency and I just fell in love. I feel very lucky that, you know, that doesn't happen to everybody, but as soon as I started to see, you know, kind of what it took and and what being a literary agent meant, I was sold and I just knew that no matter what it took, that's that's what I was meant to do and that's what I wanted to do. And so that's sort of how, that's how it started. That's so cool. I love that. Well, as I've told you many times, I think you're in the perfect profession for you, which is the other reason why I have wanted to have you on the podcast because this is the Soul on Fire podcast. So I, I always have people on who have set their souls on fire by doing something that they love and that they're meant to do and that they're truly excited to wake up and go to work every day or do whatever it is that I'm having them on for. So I feel like this job is so perfect for you because everything about your personality it just meshes so well, I think, with being an agent because you're so on top of things. You're so... You're like the most rapid fire, speedy person (laughs) about everything. And that's such a good quality when you're representing people and in this fast paced world of living in New York and trying to sell books to publishers, like you really have to be on top of it, especially if you have a ton of different clients, which you do. So at this point, so do you and your team like share clients or do you each have your own clients or, well, I know that 
I'm just your client, but like, how does it go with everybody else? So basically uh, what happens is, is uh, we work as a team and then one of us takes the lead on a certain client. So you might not speak directly to one of my colleagues like John or I mean, even Celeste, but you know, they know what's going on. And it's really great because each of us sort of has our own superpower, we like to call it. You know, John is a genius editorial brain. Um, he, I've never seen anything like it. Celeste is, she's been doing this for 15 years. Uh, she's brilliant at online marketing, uh, brilliant at anything online, you know, really crafting a book um, and really pulling out sort of the silver bullets on what makes something saleable and and how it's going to become a bestseller. And I sort of lead the team in the, in the networking commercial, knowing what's going on. I have great relationships with, you know, the morning shows, uh, I love going to all the press with my clients. I'm sort of, you know, they like to call me kind of like the people person of the group. And so together, you know, we sort of make this super agent and it's been really, it's been really special and awesome to work with. We've been working together like this for two and a half years and it's really, it's really, I've never, I've never seen anything like it. And it's really special. It's been two and a half years. That's that time went by so fast. I know. I know. It's crazy. Well, I started working. Yeah. I started working. John and I both started on the same day, October 6th, 2014. Oh my God. I remember that day so vividly. That's another phone call that I remember really clearly. Oh my goodness. I remember this one too. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Can we tell this story? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, so I had just moved back to LA and I think I was in the process of writing my book proposal or had we already sold the book to Fairwinds? So what happened was we had sold the book, but then I I think I said like, let's let's just put, put a pin in this for for like, you know, two weeks. Yes. I have to tell it like things are happening. Yeah. No. And I didn't know what you meant. I was just like, okay, well, we're just not going to sign this contract yet. She's probably like still thinking about it. She knows what she's doing. Like whatever. I'm not in a rush to sign this contract. I don't even know how this process works. So then like, I, I think I got like an email or a text from you saying, call me today. It's really important. So I was like, oh my God, what could be going on? Like, did the publishing company go back on wanting to purchase my book? What's the deal? Never, never. (laughs) No. So I called you and then, yeah, you told me that you had switched agencies and you were no longer working with Stonesong. You were working with Sterling Lord, which you explained to me was a huge literary agency and told me some of the other authors that they represented. And Basically, you're like, yeah, I didn't know if I was going to be able to bring any clients with me, but I am bringing you with me. And I was so (laughs) relieved and so happy at that point in the conversation. I was like, thank God. So, so really for me, this doesn't mean like too much. And you're like, no, (laughs) not really. Just now you're at a different agency. And then I later talked to Jessica Mernan about it when I met her in person in Chicago. And then I learned that she had a much more stressful situation with you because she went like 24 hours thinking that you weren't going to be able to bring her over to Sterling Lord, which I'm so glad that you kept me in the dark because I would (laughs) have had such a freak out. But she was like, of course, she was so, so happy. And now her book's coming out so soon. Yes, her book's coming out in February. Um, I can't wait. And well, she's going to be on the podcast too. It was actually, it was actually, it's actually a really good story how I got to Celeste. Uh, so, you know, so I was interviewing and looking to make a change, and 
through the grapevine, I found out from, you know, one of those weird stories, like a guy I had been seeing's friend from sister, you know, one of those very weird coincidences. Um, and I found out that Celeste was looking to bring on um, associates at Sterling Lord. And of course, I knew who Celeste was. She's a huge agent, you know, in New York. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I know that's my job. I just, I know it. I just felt it. Um, And so I got Celeste's direct number and I called her and I said, hi, I'm Sarah. You don't know me, but I know you. I'm telling you that I'm going to be your associate. I know that this is the job for me. And so she said, can you be here in an hour? And I said, yes. And so I met, I ran to the office. I was like running on, you know, a million, like, you know, my adrenaline was pumping and I, and I met her. She later said to me, you had this crazy look in your eyes, this crazy fire in your eyes. And I, and she thought to herself, I have to hire this, this woman. And I later found out that she, that she had actually been about to hire John and then she had met with me and then she didn't know what to do. And then we ended up both getting hired. Uh, and John is one of my closest friends, colleagues. So it's, you know, I have come to really believe in sort of letting things happen and things happening for a reason, because, you know, now two and a half years later, you know, John and I are agents, you know, we've kind of created this super team and I feel very, very lucky and fortunate, you know, to be in this, but also you know, deep down, I always knew this is what I wanted to do. And I was kind of meant to do it. And so it feels good to sort of, you know, when you work really hard for something and, and it starts to become a reality, it's, it's special. It is special. That's so cool. I didn't, I don't think I knew that. I think like maybe too crazy, like the internal, you know, (laughs) yeah, everything else is going on. We still barely knew each other. I was just like, okay, she switched agencies. Cool. What's actually even crazier is that the the day that I interviewed with Celeste was actually the day I met my my boyfriend's mother for the first time. So I was already kind of freaking out. Um, And we went to this restaurant in New York called The Gander. And owner of The Gander is Jesse Schenker. I interviewed Celeste and now Jesse Schenker is my client. He was a client of Celeste's already. And I work with Jesse now. And so I look back and I can't believe that the day I interviewed with Celeste, I didn't even know Jesse was her client that first day. I ate at the Gander. And then I ended up, you know, working for him. So. Oh my God. I swear yes. everything is so I interconnected. I know. It's so crazy. So that's my fun story about Sterling, how I got started at Sterling Lord. <laughs> Such a fun story. I completely think that when things are meant to be and people are in the place that they're meant to be, everything's interconnected like that. Like smallest world stories. It's so crazy. And I mean, I definitely have those weird things too, where like I have that lucky number 201 that follows me everywhere. And I live in a 201 apartment, but I remember, I'm sure I told you this, when I first signed the contract, when you were still at Stone Song, and I signed the contract was, with yes. you, Stone was, Song was a two hundred one. One, yes. yes. And I, I freaked out. I was like, Sarah, you will not believe this. It's Stone Song is a two hundred one, and everything that's ever happened to me in my life that's positive <laughs> is correlated with a two hundred one. And so I know that this is meant to be. Like we're meant to be working together. I kind of forgot about that. That's so funny. That's so true. I know. So I think it was probably meant to be that like 
we found each other before you were even at Sterling Lord, but then like yeah. we've grown together and it's so fun to grow alongside yeah, of people. My, you were my, I think you were my second client. I think Jessica Murnan was my first client. You were my second client. That's so special. I love that. So how many clients do you have now? You know, I have a lot. It's interesting because publishing ebbs and flows, you know, people are, uh, some of my clients are writing while others, you know, were, were out on submission with their proposals. So they sort of ebb and flow. But yeah, I have about, you know, I would say at any given time, like 15 active clients with, you know, probably another 30 or 40 or so. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's great, but I feel, you know, as I said, every client that I work with, I think really is, is so invested in their work. And so it makes me so invested. My work starts to feel like just life, which is probably good and bad, but uh, for my work-life balance, because um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly immersed, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, I love it. I mean, I love all of it. I just, it, it, it seriously sets me on fire every day. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm always going a mile a minute. You but are. No, it's very clear that, that you're very happy with what you're doing because I don't think you would be able to put nearly as much energy and passion into what you do if you didn't love it. Because you seriously have, I mean, like you said, like your schedule kind of never stops. And even our first phone call, you were at the office and until it was dark outside. And I feel like now that's probably what you do every single day. So... It's interesting to me. Well, because like living in New York is so different than living in yeah. on the West Coast. Because on the West Coast, like once it starts to get dark outside, people are like, okay, I'm going home. Or, you know, they go into the office at like right. 1030. And it's not the same type of work ethic. I mean, of course, everybody's different. And some people on the West Coast do have that crazy drive and passion. But I think it's just standard in New York. So it just like makes it I, like just more normal to work those kinds of hours. So how do you find a balance with like everything else in your life? Cause you're in a relationship, you have family close by friends. Like how do you balance between all of that and this crazy career that you have? You know, I'm still working to find that balance. It is very, it's hard. It's difficult. You know, my boyfriend laughs when I get home from work. Sometimes if it's late, he calls it like the Sarah freak out. You know, I like, I like, I run around the apartment for like 15 minutes, like on my phone, like going crazy about, you know, something or, or excited or, or I have an idea and I need to get it out or, you know, I, you know, so I think that it's important though to turn off because you're not going to be, you know, useful to your clients or your, or, you know, in my case, my colleagues, if I, you know, I haven't slept, but I think it's important to make time, you know, I make time for myself. You know, I try to go to the gym, you know, not every day, even though I wish I could go more, but I, I try to take, you know, an hour, sometimes it's a TV show. I mean, sometimes it's, I try to take an hour of quiet, uh, just to collect myself, but it's hard. I mean, I also am so I'm so driven by what I do and I get excited and I get passionate and I and I love what my clients are working on. I love even reading my clients' books. I mean, I, I love all of that stuff. So some of it is is also relaxing in my work, which which could be a little weird. But so also I have, you know, I have a really 
great and stable relationship. And and my boyfriend is really also good at that, you know, telling me, okay, Sarah, the screen time is over for today. Uh, like your email, your email can live without you, you know, for the next hour. So, you know, I think having, you know, having that is also really helpful. And my, my parents, I'm, I'm very lucky. My parents and my, and my sister both live in New York city. So I, I do have a really good support system. And I think that's, that's probably the biggest, my biggest de-stressor is, is that support system. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's so good to hear that even though you're so go, go, go all the time, you do take that time for yourself because it's true. If there's anything I've learned over the last few years of doing blogging full time and writing a book and everything else, when I get into those modes of not taking time for myself or not even taking an hour off during the day, things begin to slip. Like you cannot stay on top of everything. And then you show up and you're not, you know, your best self because you're doing a million things. And that's something I've learned too. You know, there's a time to multitask and there's a time to be totally focused. And with so much going on, you know, in our world and social media and Snapchat and Facebook, and also because I'm sort of on those things, you know, half for me and half for for my work and where my clients and what they're doing, um, you know, it's, you got to take that time. Um, And for me, I'm such a relationship driven person that for me, it's, it's sort of, you know, having a drink, you know, meeting for a drink or meeting my friend for, you know, for a flywheel class or an SLT class or, you know, taking that or yoga, you know, to even brunch, you know, taking that, that those few moments to just sort of not, not be in my email is, uh, is helpful. It's necessary. I know that's one one thing that I love about having started this podcast is I cannot multitask while I'm having these conversations. Yeah, I just noticed my phone is like literally flipped over next. Like I am not looking at it. It's so I was just thinking that when I was saying that I'm like, oh my god, this is this one of those things I actually can't multitask. I would not know what to say. I know. No, I've, I tried one time during one of these podcast conversations, even though it's so fun, like it's so fun to be immersed in the conversation, but I was like trying to do something cause I was on my computer. So I was trying to check something at the same time. And the conversation, I was like, excuse me, sorry, what? <laughs> like, what did you say? And you can't do that on a podcast. So it's been so refreshing to just have these conversations with people who inspire me and Mostly everybody I've had on is like someone that I'm close to, friends with. So it's so nice to just take this time and have like an hour long chat about what sets our souls on fire. And like, I look at my phone later and I have tons of texts and it's just so refreshing to not look at it for this time. It's, It's obviously something that I can incorporate into my day like way more often. I can always take an hour away from like phones and email. Um, So... I think in the new year, I plan to do that a lot more because I think it's just, you can't be creative if you're constantly taking in information on social media and email and other people like asking things from you. You can't even like connect with your thoughts and be creative. So actually you'll be so proud of me because yesterday I interviewed Catherine Budig for my podcast. Um, oh, remember when we, that yeah. was another crazy story, George. When we remember when we ran into her in the Condé Nast lobby. Yes, and I told that story when we oh, talked. I, I was like, we were doing desk sides for uh, Breaking Vegan. Do you remember that? Yes, and oh, that. So I'll have to. Oh, I'll, I'll. I can't wait to listen to that one. I know. Well, that was the small world thing. Like I had spent that morning telling you and Celeste, like there's this 
author, this like yes. yoga rock yes. star, Catherine, her book's coming out. Like her book is something I would really, really like to use as like a comp title for a future book oh God, because sure. it's just so fantastic. I'm so inspired by her. I'm like basically obsessed with her. She's like the biggest celebrity in my eyes, basically. And you guys were like, wow, we'll have to check her out. And we walk into the lobby. And she's standing and I, there. Yeah. And you're like, do you know those people? They're looking at you. I'm like, that's Catherine Booting. Well, like, I actually, I love, that's actually one of my favorite things when I walk around with my clients and people recognize them. And I'm always like, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> I was like, Gordon, those people are staring at us. Do you know them? Yes. And I still, I love that when that happens too, because it's always like such an honor when somebody recognizes you for your work that you've done or for your blog or anything. But so before I interviewed Catherine yesterday, I decided, because I was like pretty nervous to interview her because I wanted to make sure that like, you know, I asked the right questions and everything went smoothly. So I woke up with like all these jitters and I decided to just not check my phone, not get on the computer and just spend like an hour writing, like writing physically, like with a pen and paper. I love that. And I ended up writing like what I'm pretty sure is going to be either the intro or the first chapter of my next book that we've been talking about. And oh, I'm so excited. I know. And I've also been working on it separately and I cannot wait to, to share with I you what oh, I, I can't wait. With. I can't wait. I think everyone's going to be really excited by the next book. So I I'm excited. I think so too. I hope so. It's- I, think, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be really great. I think so too. Um, so that you'll see very soon. But I think I have to do that more. I have to wake up and not let myself get distracted by everything else because that's the best time to like tap into your thoughts and be creative is before before you start taking in other people's information all day long. So I think that's going to probably be my new routine if I can make that happen. Well, what we do, so we workshop our all of the proposals that we work on, which is, you know, it's great that there's four of us now and soon to be five uh, because we can go through every single proposal and sort of everyone gets gets their hands on it. And people who aren't as familiar with, you know, if it's, if it's someone I'm taking the lead on and John's only read about them a little bit, you know, he gets in there and asks questions that I might not think of. And we, we've decided we like go into the conference room, we put our phones down and for at least an hour, we brainstorm and think about, okay, what's the positioning of this book? What's the right TOC table of contents? You know, what's missing? What do we need? And it's been so amazing for our proposals. And it's sort of like the same thing. If you can just allow yourself to be in the moment and with your thoughts and whether it be, you know, your own writing or in our case, you know, working on these proposals, it's been so amazing. And the proposals have been so, I feel like so much stronger because we're all so focused on it and in it for that amount of time. And it's, it's been awesome. I love it. I just kind of no screens, like everyone, we print it out, you know, with pens, you know, we're kind of like in it, like old school. Um, I love it. That's yeah. That sounds amazing. And that's how things should be. We shouldn't, I mean, if we're like constantly distracted and trying to work on something important while also checking our email and posting a photo and looking at somebody's Snapchat and scrolling through Instagram, like what we're working on is never going to be very strong or as strong as it could be. So I feel like that's just like a practice that everybody should work on is to just take the time to put the screens away and just work on something separately because multitasking is not always, not always like the the best idea when you're working on something important, but it's hard not to do when you have a lot of things to do. 
But my authors teach me that. You guys are crazy. I could never write a book. I'm always so in awe of my clients and how these books, these gorgeous, amazing books come together, whether they're cookbooks or memoirs or, you know, health books. I I mean, and then, you know, my health books, you know, the the transformations and, and the passion of of the people I work with is also, you know, it's impossible not to get excited and to feel, feel something. And that's what I would say. I mean, find something where it makes you feel and, and people, you know, you surround yourself with people who, who are in it the way that you are, because you can't go wrong. And I feel like that's something that you've done in your life. I mean, you've set up this business and, and everything you do, you're so in love with and the people that you work with are so into it. And it, I feel like, I mean, that's how you've, I feel like found balance in your own life is just balancing it out with good people. Yeah, no, that's totally true. Like finding the people to let in and trust them and people who are like fully passionate and fully there for the same reasons, which are like, because you love it and you actually truly want to create something that's going to reach a lot of people and help them and share the balanced lifestyle kind of thing. So I'm definitely still working on it because I too have a lot of places where I can still find it's balance, hard. but it's, hard. it's just, it's every day you have to, you know, every day. And, and this is something, you know, we talk about, you know, John Sluss, Megan and I, like, you know, how do we, how do we disengage and have time for ourselves so we can be as effective as possible, but it's hard. In New York too, it's all, I mean, it's just, it's just buzzing all the time. But I mean, LA too, in a different, I mean, in a different way. I wish we had, I always say to John, like, I wish we could go outside and like hike, you know, Runyon after work. I know you guys would love that. I always say that LA and New York need to like merge in certain ways because there's so many things that I love about both places that the other place doesn't have, but they couldn't possibly be more different in terms of like. Meanwhile, it's, it's, I woke up, it's snowing and raining and freezing today. It's our first snow. Well, I'm looking out the window right now. It's like sunny and hot and people yeah, are like on runs with their dogs outside. I'm, I'm like, I took my, I took my winter boots out. I have my scarf, my hat. It's, you know, but New Yorkers, you know, now we're complaining it's too cold. And then in the summer, we'll complain that it's too hot. So. Yeah. Well, humid. It's <laughs> so humid. That's something I don't miss. Although New York is the absolute best. But so speaking of like balancing lives and finding that time for ourselves. So working with Celeste, who is like, obviously, you know, like such a huge person, huge point of view in the agent world. And she has twins, babies. Yes. Yes. Lias and Mateen. Yes. So how does she find, like, what has she like shared wisdom with you about finding that balance between being a new mother of twins, not just one baby, and also having this like very high powered career? It's interesting. I, you know, I really look up to her and I have noticed, you know, she really, she takes the time that she needs. She goes home, she spends time with the boys, you know, she'll, she'll tell me, you know, I'm putting my phone away for an hour and like actually moves it physically away from her. So I think that's something too. And we were, we were actually on the subway the other day talking about this in 2017, you know, how do we, how do we find that time to, I guess, disengage and and decompress is a better word for it. And I think it's just taking the time, you know, taking the time to actually move the phone or screen or whatever it is away and, and focus. And I love that I, you know, I saw her before her babies and and now they're, they just turn one. 
she's still a badass and she's just like a badass with twins. But definitely take but definitely taking the time. You know, taking the time to really disengage is is something I've learned from her that, you know, they'll everything will still be there when you get back. You'll have time to deal with it. It doesn't, you know, not everything has to be immediate. The other thing is also, you know, we try to, you know, she's taught me a lot about how to not react, but anticipate. And so a lot of what I try to do is think kind of 10 steps ahead of what's going on at one point, you know, in a, in a problem or in a, in a schedule or in a production schedule and think about, okay, how can I, how can I think 10 steps ahead to fix this? And I find that if I can put myself in a position to not react, but to anticipate that I have more control and then therefore more time to myself, if I can sort of anticipate, if that, I don't know if that makes sense. That makes but. a lot of sense. I'm like yeah. immediately yeah. applying that to so many different things yeah. going on right now in my head because yeah. that's what she, you know, that, and that's kind of a big thing is of what she's taught me is the idea of thinking ahead to anticipate because you never want to react. And that's when you allow your emotions to get the best of you. You allow sort of your, your instincts that may or not may or may not be right, or they might be right, but you might not be phrasing it in the right way. So if you can just anticipate and not react, you know, I think that to me, that's kind of what I strive for. So I can have, you know, feel like I have a handle and also be able to take an hour if I need to. That's all such good advice because I feel like so many things can be avoided. Well, this can be like in work or outside of work if you just work on your reactions because it's a, it's the way that we react to things that really like determines our day and how productive we are and how happy we are and how calm or not calm we are because I mean, this is something I've learned because I'm a very reactive person. So I've had to spend my oh, whole my. adult life like trying not to be reactive. Um, like if a problem happens with a blog post schedule or a brand that I'm working with and all of a sudden they don't like what I've come up with or something, I can react and be like extremely upset and let it ruin my day and just be like, oh my God, this is awful. They didn't tell me what they wanted very clearly. I'm so upset. Or I can just be like, okay, let me fix this and just kind of swallow it and let it go. And my day is like completely fine. So the whole reaction thing is totally important with everything, but also the anticipation piece of advice, that is really good. I'm going to try to use that and try to think 10 steps ahead because I feel like thinking ahead is so important. Like if you're going to be a leader, you absolutely have to think ahead. Yeah. I've started to try to, I mean, and it's something, I mean, it takes practice, but you know, if I'm thinking about going on a, you know, going on a submission and thinking about, you know, I think about the calendar, I think about like four weeks in the month, because once we go out with a proposal, that's sort of the timetable until we close a deal. And so I'm constantly thinking about, okay, if I want the meeting, you know, to be the 17th and 18th of the month, then I need to go out with the proposal on the third. And then I need to confirm that everyone got it, you know? And so if I'm constantly knowing what the end game is, then I can, you know, more accurately kind of, you know, section out my time so I don't get caught, you know, in a, in like a, a tizzy of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then you can, you know, say, okay, I'm going to take an hour to go do yoga. Or I'm going to take an hour to go to this spin class because you've already thought 10 steps ahead. And, you know, some, you can't do it for everything, but it's definitely something I've tried to apply to my life. And, and the other thing too is, you know, She's taught me to sort of take things on the chin. You know, not everything's going to go your way. Not everyone's going to love you. Your ideas aren't always going to be perfect. But a lot of this business and a lot of being successful is learning to just kind of take it on the chin and 
and move on and, and go on to the next thing. That is such good advice. I'm definitely a sensitive person. And so, you know, a part of my sensitivity, I think, makes me good at my job, but it can also, you know, it can be debilitating. And so learning to sort of just take things on the chin and keep going and not allow my emotions to, you know, not allowing my emotions to dictate my reactions is something that I think is is the biggest piece of advice that, you know, she's given me. Yeah, that's such good advice. I can definitely soak that in and use that as well because I'm a very emotional person and it's hard not to bring that into what I what I do for work. Well, it's so great because it makes you so, you know, good at your job and it makes you successful at so many things and and it's just, you know, it's constantly a balancing act of knowing, you know, kind of when to pull it out and when to hold it, you know, closer to you. But, you know, it's not something you ever want to get rid of. It's it's what makes people who they are. But in our businesses and interpersonal businesses, and, you know, when you have a lot of things going on and you have a lot of balls in the air and you have people relying on you, and especially I work with, you know, a lot of, you know, high profile people with a lot of teams and a lot riding on these books, you know, it's my job to to stay sane and to, and to, you know, direct the ship. And I find that I'm, I'm better at that you know, if I, if I take those things into consideration. That makes a lot of sense. So for people listening who aren't clear on basically the process of a book getting sold, so let's kind of walk them through that. So, I mean, you'd be better at this, but like kind of walk through the step-by-step process of an author coming up with an idea all the way to the book getting sold and then the book being released. Okay. So, well, I can take our, I, I can use you as an example. You know, you find an author, you decide you're going to work together. You know, and every agent works differently, but this is sort of how we work. So we work on a proposal. And a proposal is a business document that basically explains the overview. What is this book about? Why this book? Why this book now? Uh, Why is this going to be important? Why do people want to read it? You know, what have you been in? What's your platform? What's your community? You know, table of contents, et cetera, et cetera. Basically a whole full layout of the book. So the book is actually not written in some cases. In fiction, oftentimes it is, but in what what I do in fiction, uh, it's basically a very detailed book plan for the book. So we get that together, we work on it, you know, it, a proposal can take anywhere from, you know, a month to five years. And then what my job is, is I go out to probably around 30 editors, depending on what subject the book is in, self-help, diet, memoir, celebrity memoir, celebrity cookbook, who knows what it is. And they have about two weeks to review the proposal. And so I follow up with them. What do you think? Do you like it? And basically from there, I set up a meeting schedule for the publishers to meet with my client. And they're either on the phone. Sometimes we take the client around to the different publishers. And so this whole process, once I send out the proposal, it's about two or three weeks until the meetings with publishers. So we go around, we do the meetings. And then after that, my job is to figure out who's interested in actually making an offer on the book and setting up an auction and then seeing who comes to the table, the publishers, we run an auction and then the book is sold. Um, And so that's kind of what happens. I'm, I'm like a salesperson of, of a proposal and I try to find the best and most passionate editor and publishing team to work with that author. 
And then the author goes and writes the book. It can, you know, they, sometimes it's a quick turnaround. Sometimes they want the manuscript in three months. Sometimes, you know, it could take somebody a year and, you know, the book is normally published 18 months to two years after, after it's sold and into the world. Does that make, did I go too fast? Did that make sense? That was perfect. That was a perfect breakdown. And yeah, and then kind of to take it. That process is, you know, a whole other, a whole other bag of beans and marketing of the book and, you know, creating the book and editing the book. And if there's photo cover, everything, it's very exciting. Even just hearing you talk about the process makes me really excited because I love the whole process. Like, yes, there's lots of things to get nervous about. And it's like a whole lot of months of being like really jittery and nervous and excited, but it's such a fun process. Like no wonder you love what you do so much. It's like this huge adrenaline rush all the time of getting to sell your author's books. And from the author's point of view, like nothing is more exciting than like finishing this book proposal, having your agent who you totally trust, bring it out to publishers and editors and basically like gather people's, whether they're interested or not and get people's feedback and then hopefully have the book sold. It's like this whirlwind of just the most awesome stuff ever. I know people, you know, I always say, you know, people say, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a literary agent. People are like, what? But it's interesting. You know, I have such an appreciation for authors and the publishing teams who make it happen because there is so much work that goes into these books. And I'm just so in awe. I remember the first time I got uh, a galley, which is the uncorrected proofs of the book that goes out to the media and influencers. It's it's the version before the final version. I remember your galleys were particularly beautiful. They had the full four color cover. And I remember it was the first time I had sold a book and seen the finished part. You know, it was the first time I had gone through the whole process sort of on my own. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like we, you know, Jordan obviously created this, but I helped her, you know, create this. I mean, I, this is, you know, this is a real thing that's going to go out into the world. Uh, and it was such, it was such an amazing feeling. It's, that was it's, the most exciting awesome. day ever. And I think you received those before I saw yes, them. I remember I sent you like, like a full 10 second Snapchat, like three of them in a row. <laughs> Freaking out. Cause I hadn't seen the books yet. I was like, wait, Send, text this to me. Like, I need a picture that's not going to go away. I need... Yeah, I remember I sent you... Uh, like. Then I sent you like a real like one minute video of like, here's page one. <laughs> that was so cool seeing it, seeing it for the first time. And still, every time I look at it, it's just like this rush of... Yeah, you have such a gorgeous book. It's beautiful, that book. Yes, that cover... Definitely. I, like, just, I love it. that cover. All my clients know I am a cover stickler. I love a good cover. <laughs> Me too. We had to, remember, we had to do a lot of back and forth about that cover. Yeah, it's the most important thing as a buyer. I mean, you're not going to buy a book that has an ugly cover. Yeah. Or just a person like, I mean, for some people it works, but for me and my brand and my personality, just like standing in front of a white background holding like yeah. an apple or something, that would never sell. It wouldn't work. So the yeah. lifestyle-esque cover is like so perfect, sitting on the grass, having a picnic, my flowy Jen's pirate booty dress. It's like my I favorite thing. I love that cover. I, I can't wait for the next one. I think, well, we're not going to talk about it yet, but I think it's going to be just as beautiful. Me too. I have visions of that cover, like very, yeah. very excited about it. Um, So to talk about that just for a second with, so we're definitely not going to give too much away or, or 
go into too much depth about it because it's still really in the beginning stages. But last time I came to New York in October, actually on my birthday, October. Yes, on your birthday. Yeah. um, (laughs) When I showed up and had my birthday almond milk latte from you, (laughs) it was the cutest thing. We had a meeting with Celeste and the three of us kind of like nailed down some details about what my next book is going to look like. And pretty much like both of you just shared so many ideas and insights with me and listed off book after book after book that I should look into and topics to think about and research. And I pretty much filled a whole entire journal during that one hour meeting of like, oh my God, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I should do. And ever since October, I've been working on all of that. I've been reading a lot of those books, doing the research and pretty much for the most part, just giving it so much detailed thought because my process with writing a book includes like a ton of thought, like thinking about it in a yoga class, thinking about it in the bath, thinking about it before I fall asleep at night, because that's how the ideas form to me. So when I sit down to actually write the book, it just like completely comes flowing out of me because it's something I've been living and breathing and thinking about for months or like even longer than months in some cases. Um, So just for people listening, I think it would be interesting to give them a little bit of a glimpse into what those meetings are like. Like, I'm pretty sure, I'm sure that you guys do that with a lot of your different clients and what kind of like prep goes into that for you? Or is it like you kind of just wait and see what the author says when they get there about what their idea is or how does that go for you? Well, a lot of what those meetings are, are, you know, organic brainstorms. But part of my job is to know what's working in the market, what's working on the bestseller list, what's working on the shelf, what publishers are looking for. So a lot of my job is also networking and communicating and having, you know, meetings and lunches with editors and saying, okay, what are you looking for on your spring list? What's going to be cool in the fall? You know, what's working on the bookshelf? You know, I talk to a lot of producers and, you know, what's working on TV? What are segment ideas? So I think a lot of those meetings are listening to our client, you know, what, what, also, what is their community asking for? So it's a lot of information gathering. What is the community asking for? What's working on the bookshelf? What's working on the, you know, the bestseller list? What's working? You know, what do publishers want to spend money on? And then positioning what, what the client is passionate about to, to really fit into that into that model. And so that's sort of what our, we bring those expertise into those meetings because, you know, there could be a phase where, you know, people were, you know, as you know, super into vegan and, and paleo and labeling their food. Now people are moving away from the labels and it's more based on whole foods and having, you know, a whole, whole food based diet. And maybe carbs aren't so bad or maybe a, a little bit of dairy isn't so bad. So a lot of it is is really paying attention to what's going on in the marketplace and being able to advise our client into, you know, what, how do we serve, how do, how is their idea going to serve A, their community best and B, you know, how is it going to work with publishers? Right. That's so helpful because as an author, you have all these ideas and you know what you're passionate about and what you want to write about, but we definitely are not experts on what's doing well in the field or what's selling well in the market, because obviously we're just interested in the types of books and content that we love. So I would always think like all the things I want to write about would do well, because I think like, who wouldn't want to read that? That's such a fun topic, but of course it has to be refined as uh, for what's doing well in the market, because 
not the whole entire world is into health and wellness and balance and yoga and healthy food. But luckily, a lot of people are and more and more people are getting interested in (laughs) every single day, which is so cool. So as we wrap up here, because this went so fast. I know I was nervous and you were saying it was going to go by so fast. I can't, it really has. I can't believe it. I know it's extremely conversational and fun and you have such good tips. It's so fun. So just for our last couple minutes here, I have two more questions. So the first is where do you see the Balanced Blonde brand going in the future? So like short-term and long-term. That's a good question. It's a hard question. I'm almost asking you this as like, give me some direction here because (laughs) I, I too wonder this a lot. You know, I think for you... I see this becoming, you know, it started off very niche. You know, you started off as a vegan and you were super passionate about that. And it worked because you, you know, you poured yourself into it. And now, you know, you've taken a step back and and kind of, I think, opened the brand up a little bit more, which I love, and kind of incorporated other interests into it, not just the food piece, not just the, you know, now you have the yoga piece and you have your, you know, your clothing brand. And, you know, I love how you you know, you partner with these brands and, you know, I know you, you use everything and you would never promote something that, you know, that you don't love. And I love how you, you're, you're so open and honest and you share that with your readers. And I see as you grow and mature and start becoming passionate about more things or different things, I see the brand really growing with you. And I see, you know, your book career really following you with that, because I think as you get older you know, you you strive for even more balance. I think that your readers are going to be on that journey with you. And I'm just excited to be on that journey with you and to see what really makes you tick. And, you know, now it's yoga and and I can't wait to see sort of what comes out of that and who knows, you know, what's going to be next for you. I mean, I know your Pachakarma was such a, a transforming experience. And I think that that's even informed you in the last six months from where you were six months ago. So I think for you, I see the balanced blonde as following her gut and just continuing to follow what makes you tick and what makes you feel alive and grow. And and I can't wait to continue on that journey and and continue and continue to publish books sort of that are reflective of that. Me too. That's yeah, that's so amazing to hear. And again, as I said in the beginning, it's so comforting and so nice to have a literary agent who gets you, who like supports the transformation and just like really understands, just like gets you on a deeper level because everything you just said just is so true. Like you really hit the nail on the head and it it is, I have to say again, like very different from, from like some other people that I work with who I feel like it's more about like, how can we grow? How can we grow? How can we get the numbers higher? That kind of stuff. That is all so superficial to me. Um, like, of course, like I want my brand to grow organically and I think it is and like it will continue to, but I don't, I don't ever want my focus to be like growth, growth, growth. Like what can I do yeah. to get more eyeballs on me? That is so not it. It's like, but you've been so successful at that just by being you. I mean, you left veganism, like that was what your gut, like your body, I mean, really your body told you like enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. And you were like, okay, let's do it. I got to, I got to change directions. And then 
you know, now you were partying a little and, and now I think your body was like, no, Jordan, that, you know, that's not what makes, that's not what makes me happy. And then, you know, you did the Pachacarma and I feel like that like really opened up your mind. And now, you know, you're really focused on yoga. And I, I mean, I think all that's great, but it's, to me, the thread of that is just really following your gut and following like what makes, you know, what makes you happy. And, and I think the reader's see, see that and they'll come, you know, I think that's, you know, if you're real, I think the readers will be there. I completely, completely agree. So continuing to just share that authentic truth with people, that's the goal. So that's such good advice. So good to hear. And my final question to you is where do you see yourself going in the future? So you've evolved so much over the last couple of years, even since we just started working together. You work at the top literary agency in New York. You have this fabulous team of people who, like you said, the the four, almost five of you together make a super agent, which is so true. So what are your goals moving forward? Where do you see yourself going from here? Well, I see myself at Sterling Lord forever. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, well, so Sterling Lord is actually ninety six, and he comes to the office every day. Um, and so, you know, I see myself. You know, Celeste and, and John and I and Megan, we we talk about this. You know, when you look at your bookshelf in forty years, you know, how do you want to feel? And and I want to feel like when I look at my bookshelf in forty years, that I am proud and excited and still feel the passion that I do now about about sort of what I'm bringing to the bookshelf and the people that I work with. And I see myself, you know, evolving more and more and and getting even better at what I do and sharper and really growing with the industry. And, and you know, when people say books are dead, you know, I see books that sell 85,000 copies in one week. So, you know, I think that no matter what format people are reading in, whether you know, whether it's on your iPad or, you know, I still love, you know, a good old fashioned book. Um, you know, whatever happens with the industry, people are always going to read. And it's, I really feel it's my job and responsibility to bring important voices into the world that are doing something cool and awesome onto the page. And so people who might not have access or might not know who those people are, you know, their lives can be better and more enriched by, you know, things that I'm bringing to the to the page and so i see myself just getting better and better and you know more talented and 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 just continuing on and and you know continuing to love what i do i love that that's really cool i can i love that like look at your bookshelf metaphor because well it's not a metaphor in your case because it's literally true it's what you do <laughs> no i'm actually looking at my bookshelf yeah like right? you're going to actually look at your bookshelf but i think it can be used as a metaphor for the rest of us, I mean, definitely for authors in a real sense too, but for people who, who just like don't even have anything to do with, with the publishing world or books or anything like to visually see, like to look at the bookshelf of your life, like what do you want to look back on? I love that. And now I can think of that in a whole new way for my books and the books that I hope to write and plan to write, like to look at a little bookshelf of like, our lives looking back. It's just so cool. So I like that. And for you, you're going to have the hugest bookshelf of all time <laughs> because between all your clients, so. you will I be selling so. thousands. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that to me, that would, that's the dream is to just be really proud of kind of what you put into the world, especially, you know, the world now it's more important than ever to bring that kind of power. So that's, that's what I'll be doing from, from Sterling Lord. 
you know, and, and to work at and to work at a place with such brilliant, brilliant minds is, you know, I, I couldn't feel luckier. Both my colleagues and my clients. I mean, I just feel like I am constantly surrounded by such smart people, and you know, it, it's it's amazing to be able to use my brain and to feel like I'm really learning every day. I mean, how can you how can you hate that? Yeah, no, completely. Well, that's the definition of setting your soul on fire. You love what you do. You're insanely good at it. You're going to keep growing, going to keep helping people, keep bringing authors' dreams to life. It's the coolest thing ever. Thanks for letting me do that for you. Well, thanks for doing that for me. And and let's cheers to like so many more in the future because the whole entire process is addictive and it's so fun and so incredible. And yes. And thanks for letting me be part of yours. I love it. And cheers to cheers to a very successful 2017 and uh, and more awesome books. I know. Well, this is so fun. I need to do this, this with you more amazing. often so that Thank we can actually like catch up because we don't, I mean, I since know. Sarah lives in New York, I, I don't get to see her as much as I wish. So this is so fun. Thank you so much for being here. And everybody can find Sarah on... Well, she. this is different than a lot of my guests because she probably doesn't want everybody like adding her on Instagram, but she'll be under the radar. And if you want to talk to her, you can ask me and tell me why and I'll decide if I should connect you. <laughs> I will be the judge. You, I guess you can give my Instagram. It's Sarah Michelle 123 Yeah, everybody should follow her. She has fun pics. She has a great boyfriend. They have the cutest pictures. He'll be uh, very happy to get a shout out. Oh yeah. Aaron's the best. We all did Barry's boot camp together. It's awesome. <laughs> so fun. Well, Sarah, I love you. Thanks for being here. I Thanks for too. everything. Okay, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll be texting and talking. Yes, we will. Talk to you later. Bye. Bird. Bye.